Hello, and welcome back to They Made Another One, where each week we discuss an oft-forgotten installment in a franchise and see if you should check it out for yourself. I'm one of your hosts, Corey, and in the words of Jan Brady, I'm so happy I can practice my driving on you, Daddy. And with me, I've got Liam. In the thoughts of Greg Brady, Marsha looks so good in those robes. (laughs) And Mitch. Here's my quote. My wife's husband. I have a funny feeling about him. (laughs) (laughs) Who is that in the words of, please? (laughs) I don't even remember his fucking name. It's the the dad. Mike Mike Brady. You don't even know. We've already established that this is an incredibly horny movie. Good. Outrageously. I'm glad that's out of the bat. Well, yeah. I mean, we all went with the most sexual sounding possible quotes. Um, Those aren't the only three, though. We could have many more. There's a, a whole whole baker's dozen at least uh in this movie so um if you didn't figure it out based on all the names we just said the day has finally arrived did it feel monumental to you guys because it felt monumental to me yeah it sorry i thought that was a rhetorical question it did i got a rock hard erection right when you said so (laughs) Um, it was going to be a rhetorical question, thing, but then I just waited for a sec to see if anybody was going to say anything. Didn't think we were going to say that, but Corey's, Corey's going to edit that out. So it is a rhetorical <laughs> question. Honestly, I, I, I wasn't looking forward to this one, but uh... this one being a very Brady sequel, to be clear. Months ago, before Mitch was permanent on the show, met more than months ago, like a year. A, a, year ago, a year ago, a little November, over a year right? ago, November 2020, November 2020, we had an episode come out uh, about the Brady Bunch movie, um, which I think, Liam, it's fair to say was an unexpected surprise hit. Is that fair? Absolutely fair. Yeah. Um, you loved it and I really liked it. Um, I love that movie to death. Yeah, <laughs> that was yeah. awesome. Uh, it was just to me on paper there was like no reason why it should work and it just did the whole time and we decided someday we uh we had to get to the sequel um we maybe have never done this before like done the sequel to a movie that we've already talked about we also maybe have a quick skim of our episode list i think this is the first time so good for us and i guess this is effectively turning into the why did you pick this movie (laughs) segment um of the episode but uh i didn't pick this because i have some kind of attachment to the brady bunch or anything um i will say in real life there have been times where uh my family arrangement has been compared to that uh which i think is kind of funny uh i guess there was enough of like colloquially calling things the brady bunch um because if you go like my dad and then my stepmom there's like my sister and i and then three other kids so it's not quite the same amount and and the the gender disparity is all wrong but you know the vibe is there um but no i really really just wanted to follow up with uh the brady bunch movie because i knew there was more and i wanted to see if it was going to hold up mitch you said you're not you weren't excited no what were your fears? Honestly, so the Brady Bunch never really reigned like supreme over my life. Like I've always for for somebody like me who like 
watches a lot of boomer shit like i've always rolled my <laughs> i've always rolled my eyes at the at the brady bunch and be like yeah fucking right like i'm not watching that that's where you drew the uh, line yeah uh <laughs> so it's it's not really been my thing i've i've certainly not seen the show from the 70s i've i've like and i've not seen like any of the other movies except for this one um but again growing up it was the kind of thing that like older people always used to like refer to my family as well kind of like a bigger family yeah a lot of kids over there a lot of kids <laughs> um yeah but so not really anything that i had have had any exposure to until now uh other than like just second degree references and stuff yeah i think before liam and i both watched it i think that was true for us too liam do i have is my memory serving me here yeah you know you're right i actually listened back to uh a good chunk of our oh, Brady man, Bunch I should have done that. And, I, and then I did some skimming just to uh, hear where we were at because I knew that this was a big movie for you. I remember that you loved it, but I wanted to hear uh, exactly what I thought about it and everything. Um, and that episode, if no one's heard it, you should really check it out. It, it opens with a, uh, a very experimental cold open where our friend of the show, Keiki, tells a story about how Corey didn't know that the Brady Bunch was a blended family. Um, oh my god i forgot and then after keiki's gone and we're free from his ridicule i reveal that i also didn't know that the brady bunch was <laughs> an extent uh, of blended family so so Corey and i were on basically the same page i had seen a compilation video of some brady bunch movie jokes at 3 a.m and it skeeved me out um but that was all i had and uh and yeah uh cory loved the movie and i liked it but it didn't all the way come together and now a, a little over a year removed um i would love to revisit it again i could say that confidently so that's where i was at nice yeah it's uh for anybody who doesn't know the the shtick of the brady bunch movie it's also the shtick of a very brady sequel um it's essentially what if you took the brady bunch which was a, a thing in the 70s and it was very like wholesome sort of family values straight laced kind of television that the whole family could crowd around the 12 inch tv and enjoy and then you just transplanted that family into the mid 90s as is and then just sort of let the cultural clash sort of play out um having this very like homegrown sanitized kind of like family dynamic up against like the gruff consumerist grungy 90s uh and just see what happens um that's kind of the crux of where they're trying to get the comedy from here Uh, i think that's a great idea um i can't believe they they got two movies out of it i know that they were like relatively successful but i just mean it's it's crazy to me that somebody pitched that and like it got through (laughs) you know it just feels like it's such a weird use. It of is that. a very novel idea. It's just like you remember that show that you watched when you were a kid. Like I, I can just imagine the elevator pitch to the producer, and he's like, "Yeah, chomp on his cigar." Like, yeah, yeah, I remember that show. They're in the nineties. What? It's like, it's that scene in Child's Play too, where they're walking through the halls real fast. Yeah. But you're pitching a Brady Bunch movie. <laughs> <laughs> so you got these kids, right? And they're all like dressed like it's the seventies. They got fringe and they're fucking yeah. These home <laughs> these homespun youngsters. <laughs> with the even-handed values 
It's just like <laughs> it's so absurd, <laughs> but it, it works. You got a they got a live in maid. Yeah, <laughs> makes all the food for them. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't have like a long story to tell about this movie, like you guys sort of had with your your picks. Um, I will say, Mitch, because you didn't have the baseline of the first movie, were you worried at all going into this, just knowing it was um, knowing it was comedy? Because we've definitely had hit and miss comedy on this show. Oh, definitely, and like a lot of the comedies that we have in this show don't appeal to me. But I was sort of thinking, like, what the hell am I doing jumping into the Brady Bunch in the in the <laughs> second movie? Like, I felt like I was. Para- I'm gonna miss all the lore. <laughs> I thought I was parachuting behind enemy lines, and all of a sudden, when like the the um, the fellow who comes to visit the house, uh, when he's <laughs> when he, he's there and he's talking on the phone he's like they have all this 70s memorabilia i'm like wait this isn't set in the 70s like because i wait boy is it not because i was just operating under the impression that it was the 70s because everything is so you know cloyingly 70s uh from like the art design to like I, even like how they put like cabbages on the countertops it just feels like a like <laughs> the a whiteboard over- in the kitchen that just yeah. said meatloaf on yeah. it for a couple scenes like, they're taking the piss really hard with like the the art design and everything. So I was just completely under the impression that it was the seventies, but no. Did you do you know the the tagline on the poster for the first movie? No, I don't. They're back to save America from the nineties. <laughs> that's a really good. Like, that's kind of an obnoxious <laughs> tagline, but yeah, uh, you could just put that on like a Team America movie, and it would probably play about as well. <laughs> I can just imagine like the. Well, I guess like this, the Brady Bunch was kind of like a homespun, like 70s value thing. Like then I can imagine that the people who follow are probably like, everything's gone to shit now. Like whatever happened, to, <laughs> what happened to Karen Carpenter and Richard Nixon? I miss it. Like, I, I don't know. Yeah, uh, no, totally, totally. Yeah. Peter, Paul and Mary. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, yeah, no, I think I think this is like peak um kind of they made another one fodder for I think sure so. i think so too also uh mitch you won't know this but this came up last time we did this um <laughs> this is wild there is a there's another sequel there was three of them oh. uh it was there's a third one from 2002 it is a made for tv movie called the brady bunch in the white house in the same concept in the 90s 70s uh i actually don't totally well yeah like part of it's that but it's worth noting the parents are the same everyone else is a different actor everybody else went and got better jobs and then well they would they would have aged out of it i think would be the problem yeah 96 to 03 and i gotta say the thing that makes me not want to watch it is knowing that um well yeah i mean you've got some really great stars i mean there's the the actors in these feel like based on the first movie they feel very well kind of do they completely carry over like is there anybody who just like i my agent's not gonna let me do this no everybody everybody these movies so uh um let me think i just had this in front of me but so the the brady punch movie came out in 1995 and then this came out in 1996. Like, it was right away. Um, this was July 1996, and the Brady Bunch movie itself was February 1995. 
So it was like barely over a year and they did another one. Yeah, so when you have a sequel like that where it's such a fast turnaround, you can do more like a everybody's still around nobody's died yeah they or... they kept everybody the yeah. writers aren't the same um as the first one but and the director's different but the cast is the same yeah. cinematographer's the same one of the musicians uh for the composing is the same mm-hmm. um and it's obviously still paramount um yeah but uh yeah so i was very excited about this um we have a lot to get to in the uh cast and crew segment including and this is mitch you're gonna have to sit back for part of it but liam as i mentioned we have something that we need to really kind of i want you to brace yourself for it if you don't mind yeah no problem my my office chair came with a seat belt so i'm, I'm set <laughs> could just click click in i'm clicked and, i'm always uh, clicked when i'm sitting in this chair yeah it's dangerous never otherwise too, never be too careful yeah so it's it's not the it's it's not the director the director is Arlene Sanford. As if I, I believe this was her directorial debut. Okay. She has since gone on to direct a fucking boatload of television, and also a, a a Christmas movie called Twelve Men of Christmas, which I think is a very funny name for a movie. <laughs> There's four writers, so it was split into story by credits and screenplay credits. So I'm gonna do it that way too. So, uh. Both of them are writing duos, so they have a lot of the same credits. So I'm going to list their names and then a list of credits. Liam, if you yeah. need to take a deep breath or take a piece of bread, now is the time to do it. Glory. <laughs> I think I know where you're going with this. Have at it. So the story is by Harry Elfont and Deborah Kaplan. Uh-huh. They have credits on Josie and the Pussycats. Yeah. Can't hardly wait. Yep. Leap year. Yep. And it sounds like you already know. I do. Um, did you recognize their names before I, I did. say it? You did? I recognized I them when I was watching the movie. I didn't recognize them because I blocked it out because they wrote um, the Flintstones in Viva Rock Vegas. Yeah. Mitch, do you Jeez. know about our episode for that? I've, I've heard you like talk about it for like the past year and a bit we set a timer because we didn't want to talk about it because Mm -hmm. it was miserable uh and then we spent the rest of the episode just talking like i just explained gundam basically like we just talked about other shit it was such a miserable viewing experience that we just decided fuck this we're not doing it um good example actually because that's a comedy from the same period making a similar attempt in terms of like satirical tone that didn't have cast overlap with the original movie Hmm. so it's maybe suffering pitfalls that this movie avoids at least by keeping people around uh but anyway when i discovered that crossover uh i i died I just died, actually. I, I, it it um, worried me, Corey. So I, I noticed I didn't know name. that until after the movie. <laughs> uh, I noticed it when the movie was starting, and I thought, uh, I thought, um, for a, it was only a second. I was like, where do I know those names? And then somehow, immediately, it hit. And I think that's <laughs> that's only because you do your cast and crew breakdown. You know, I don't I don't go around like memorizing the writers of all the movies I watch. But because we had gone through the writers when we did Flintstones, I remember you bringing them up, and they stuck in my head. Because they also uh, wrote and directed a teen movie I quite like called Can't Hardly Wait. 
And yeah. um, I also read, I think a few years back, like an oral history of Can't Hardly Wait that they took part in. So that and probably a lot of cemented like, their names a bit. And a lot of people like Josie and the Pussycats too. Mm-hmm. Like, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I, I, I saw their names and I recognized them not right away as the Can't Hardly Wait people, but it was the Flintstones people. And I was worried. Um, but I also couldn't remember... As we, as I was watching the sequel, if they had a part in writing the first Brady Bunch movie, and um, I didn't look it up while I was watching the movie, I just wanted to give the movie a fair shake. But I had convinced myself that they likely did write the original because the Flintstones thing, like I see the connection, you know, putting a kind of putting a modern uh, satirical spin on uh, a property from the 60s like it makes sense that they d- that they did both and so i was surprised when i finished the movie and looked them up and discovered that they were only tapped to do the brady bunch sequel and not the original that's very interesting yeah. to me especially because it was such a quick back-to-back turnaround that just the writers switched out that is that is quite funny yeah i know and like i gotta say had i realized any of that before we watched it we probably would have waited a lot longer to watch it just based out of raw fear yeah um so we had the luxury of just diving in by virtue of not knowing um and then they also have screenplay credits those two and then another duo with screenplay credits is uh james berg and stan zimmerman they've written episodes of the golden girls and roseanne and also gilmore girls so lots of good girls going on in their uh filmographies and then uh obviously characters from the brady bunch are created by sherwood schwartz who also uh created like gilligan's island um and stuff like that the editor is anita brant burgoyne who edited that movie 12 men of christmas i mentioned earlier um also a kid in king arthur's court good love that's a classic of my youth yeah. yeah, is that one like? Is it a kid? He's like playing baseball and he gets like transported back in time. Yeah, I think of this medieval right? ages, and he like yeah. go, he has like a blacksmith build him a bike, and he recreates like a Big Mac and like sh- shows it to like the medieval peons. It's a good and time. It's the same thing of like speaking of Victorian orphans. Have you been seeing those tweets where it's just like if you show like X modern thing to like a Victorian yeah. orphan, it would just kill them. Yeah. Like if you show hyper pop to a Victorian orphan, they would just die. <laughs> so it's like it's like if you get a medieval blacksmith to, in, to invent the bicycle it will kill him so, but uh <laughs> you'd probably get like drawn and quoted in the village square. <laughs> yeah uh that movie is like a teacher wheels a tv into class staple i think yeah um and then also good burger and legally blonde uh she edited um cinematography is by mac out all alberg who uh sh- i just got that way wrong sorry mac uh edited the brady bunch movie no he shot the holy christ um he shot the brady bunch movie uh the first one and also house two the second story and house three reanimator from beyond robot jocks classic and also uh evil bong Evil, oh, Evil Bong. Bong. Yeah, that's a, that's that's a Charles Band movie. That's like yeah, the dude yeah, yeah. that does Puppet Master and stuff. Yeah. yeah, I think we talked about it last time because I told the story about uh, Patrick Klepek, who is that writer for Waypoint, which is like Vice Games, titling one of the movies because he like won a contest or something. Like Because they just kept making them. 
So yeah, Mitch, there's all kinds of evil bong movies for you to discover. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and the music is by Guy Moon, a name from our childhoods. Because uh, he did a lot of music on the Fairly Odd Parents in Chalk Zone. Um, also did music in the Brady Bunch movie uh, on the Adams Family TV show. And for Minority Report and Fight Club. <laughs> hmm. Dang, yeah, you don't really hear those titles all that often on not this podcast, usually. huh? No, not not generally. And then so for the cast, I know some of this will have gone over before, but I picked some stuff out again. There was some stuff that felt like interesting and worth covering a second time. Shelly Long is Carol Brady. She was on Cheers. Um, Gary Cole plays Mike Brady. He was in a one-hour photo in Talladega Nights and Dodgeball and also has an uncredited role in To Live and Die in L.A., which I feel like we brought up during the Sorcerer episode. We did. Maybe, so I yeah. wanted to mention that again. He's in Office Space, too. He's really yeah. good in Office Space. Uh, Christopher Daniel Barnes is Greg. Uh, he's Eric in The Little Mermaid. Uh, he's also Prince Charming in Cinderella 2 and 3. He's in a whole bunch of Spider-Man video games. And most notably, you mentioned Cakey earlier. So fun crossover here. Uh, he's in Kingdom Hearts 2. <laughs> he's uh, he's Cakey's dad. <laughs> <laughs> dude that would have been could you imagine like if that were true like could you imagine revealing that information in that way (laughs) oh yeah you know he was in like a bunch of spider-man video games cinderella 3 he's my dad um that would be insane (laughs) yo who who is the most famous person in your guys family even if you got to go far out, does anyone come to mind like any connection where you're like, yeah, my great great uncle invented the toaster or something? Dude, it might be me. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> and I'm only saying that because like I'm regularly on the radio to like thousands of people. <laughs> That's pretty badass, dude. That's a good answer. Um, I'm trying to think about. I don't know my family history that well, so it uh, the thing I can think of is that it genuinely might be me. <laughs> Fair enough, dude. I accept that. And you're <laughs> right. It, it very well might be. I mean, if every family's got one, why couldn't it be you? Does yeah, anyone come to mind know? for you, Mitch? Oh, yeah, but, you know. <laughs> uh, just like a, a big porn star from the 70s or something. You got to keep yeah. the DL. <laughs> Killer doll. Yeah. It um, actually, the most famous member of Mitch's family is the truck from Sorcerer. <laughs> the titular Sorcerer. No, actually, it was the other one. Sor- Sorcerer Kudrowski. <laughs> I think I, uh, I think my uncle was like an animator on uh, like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon, like Fairly Odd Parents and stuff. I think I oh, remember wow. my dad telling me that when I was a kid. And uh, my dad's cousin is an actor named Robert Sean Leonard, and he was in like Dead Poet Society and uh, House and stuff. So that's what I got. Yeah, that's cool. That would be cool, I, except I, I don't like Dead Poet Society. So, uh... <laughs> no, no. Hey, uh, Mitch, I sorry. Take that sorry, Mitch. I'm, I'm just looking around here. Who asked? Yeah. We're not... <laughs> Once once they release Dead Poets Society 2, then we can get your thoughts on Dead Poets Society. Dead right. Poets to Society. No. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm trying to think if there's... There's, pro- there's probably somebody in my family who I'm just like unaware of who is more famous than me, but for now, I think it's way funnier to just say it's me. So let's do that. <laughs> um, Christine Taylor, pro- more famous than all of us. Uh, she plays Marsha. She's also in Dodgeball. 
and The Wedding Singer and Zoolander and uh, a movie called Night of the Demons 2. Maybe we should watch that. Yes. Yep. And, I don't know. Uh, what Night of the, of the Demons, Demons 3 is. is on our list. But we, yeah. Well, there you go. We're good. She was also in The Craft. We mentioned that last time we did Brady Bunch, but yeah. worth, worth repeating. I tried to pick different stuff, but some of it's overlap. Uh, Paul Sutera plays Peter. Uh, he is a producer on TV shows like Ice Road Truckers and Naked and Afraid XL. Oh, man. Uh, this is just like stuff I have to watch at work. This is amazing. I know. I was thinking that exact <laughs> thing. You've probably seen his name a bunch in like the credits of stuff. Yeah, fair enough. Um, Jennifer Elise Cox plays Jan. Um, the funniest credit I could find for her to mix it up this time around is playing a character called Horny Lady in the movie Balls to the Wall. Oh, dear. Hmm. Um, I'm unfamiliar with uh, either of those terms. Yeah, she's also in Pushing Daisies. Uh, Jesse Lee plays Bobby. Uh, he's in that movie In Time with Justin Timberlake, where the amount of time you have left to live is just on your arm, and you can bet it like money. Um, yeah, I don't think I've seen that one all the way. I actually through. It have sounds cool seen though. That. It sounds cool. It's a cool gimmick. Like, I almost feel like I'd rather read that as like a short story than like a full movie starring Justin Timberlake. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if it if it was based on a book or something. Uh, here's some other stuff you probably have to watch at work. Uh, Jesse Lee is also in all of those Chicago branded shows like Chicago Fire and Chicago PD. It's amazing that you uh, you knew that I would do that at work. Yeah, do I, have to do, I have to do all those shows at work. And yeah. do you know, I, I didn't it, re- is there an important character on that show named Jay? Because that's him. No, yeah, he's uh, he's one of the main characters in uh Then in you're Chicago seeing this dude PD. all I do. the time. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know this when I was watching the movie because he's just a little boy. But I, I also perused the cast list a bit after I watched it. And I found him and I was like, wait, is that who I think it is? And then I pulled up a picture and I was like, oh, yeah, it is. is that it's my dude? dad. So, yeah, he he grew up. Uh, he looks real nice. I'll say. <laughs> he's a great actor, hot. too. He is a really good actor. Nice. Um, Olivia Hack uh, is Cindy. Uh, she was also on Gilmore Girls. Had to mention that because I mentioned it earlier. Uh, was in Star Wars: The Clone Wars, uh, and also is uh, in a bunch of Bratz stuff. Um, and then we've got uh, Tim Matheson as Roy slash Trevor. Um, he was on The West Wing. He was in Child's Play 2019. Uh, mm. He was in uh, National Lampoon's Animal House. Uh, Henriette Mantel uh, plays Alice. Uh, Mitch, I'd like to tee you up quickly. Um, John Hillerman plays Doctor Whitehead. Who is that? John Hillerman? Yeah, I love you. Asked me with the with the boomer cues. Uh, yeah, he's, he's just like he's one of my actually. He's asking me that because the name in our in our group chat right now. We all set custom names every episode, and mine is John Hillerman. But that's just because he's just a great character actor of the seventies. He's in like so many wonderful movies like he's in um what's up doc yeah he's in well a bunch by peter bogdanovich yeah actually. paper moon too yeah paper moon uh he was on magnum pi uh he's in blazing saddles he's in chinatown high plains drifter a whole bunch of stuff um but yeah so i, I put him i put him there because i always love seeing his performances he's never like the like the main draw of a movie but yeah. he's a great character actor and he always gives in a great performance and i always enjoy seeing him on the screen yeah and then uh right after that we've got rupaul um yeah. as as miss cummings who is uh probably the most famous person in this movie based on like current fame levels so we don't need to explain who rupaul is um zaza gabor 
In her final role, no less. In her final role, plays herself uh, alongside Roseanne. Uh, which is wild. Um, not Roseanne. No, it's a uh, no. It is, isn't it? No, it's a uh, no. It's not. It's fucking Rosie O'Donnell. <laughs> what? <laughs> I just got my name like way wrong, and I was just like, "That's not right." Like I said it, and I was like, "Hold on." Anyway, um, we've also got Barbara Eden uh reprising her role as Jeannie from the TV show I Dream of Jeannie. Uh, which is definitely some boomer shit compared to what we normally talk about. Um, that, that's huge boomer shit. Yeah. yeah, Mitch, can you help us on that? I don't know what that is. I don't know, but I, I know there's a. Song I know what it is. There's like a bit in Faces where they're singing about "I Dream," of, and that movie's from like the late sixties. Yeah. So. so it was a sitcom where that actress Barbara Eden plays a genie who is rescued by by an astronaut out of a bottle and she's like this she's always like she's dressed in that outfit that you see in the movie just all the time and i guess they they just like team up and she's got like magic powers or something there's no i'm reading here there are no three witches rules so she just fucks around using like genie magic and works with like an astronaut or something so it sounds like Barbarella. It sounds a bit like Barbarella. Yeah. <laughs> Barbarella fucking rules, man. Yeah. Uh but that's not what we're here to talk about. Um But anyway, there was one more thing I wanted to mention because I didn't notice. Did you guys notice this one? This one I, I didn't know until I looked at the cast. Uh David Spade <laughs> um plays yeah. the hairstylist Sergio. Oh yeah. No, I recognize yeah. him. I did not recognize him at all. <laughs> it, was, it was cool to see him with that hair but i find yeah, that I his face hasn't changed much also uh one of the lifeguards was in an american werewolf in paris oh i don't was, i don't know stinker, if right <laughs> yeah i don't know if if i was recognizing him from that but i when i saw one of the lifeguards i was like i need to look that yeah, guy up he looks so the familiar the long-haired guy yeah so maybe that's what i was thinking because it was him i thought he, yeah he's got a look to him so you maybe remember him from that that's everybody so the plot of a very Brady sequel is um it starts uh <laughs> it starts um during uh like a hunt for lost treasure where two explorers are looking for um an ancient statue of a horse from the Tang dynasty worth 20 million dollars they find it one man sabotages the boat and uh, escapes after Mrs. Brady's first husband sent it home to her preemptively and is now here to steal it, to sell it to like a benefactor for $20 million. That is the A plot. <laughs> um, the B plots include uh, Greg and Marsha realize that they're not biological siblings and keep having to try really hard not to have sex with each other. Um, <laughs> wait, wait, wait a second. Um, did I miss something here or is the joke that they weren't biological siblings anyway? Because they weren't, right? Yeah, they weren't. But like, I think part of it is because their parents talk in terms of like, you know, your brother, or your sister, you just start thinking about it that way. But they get up there and they're like, oh, hold on. Wait I, feel a minute. Like, I feel like it has to be like a parody of like the 
values of the original show. I feel like that's like a gag for like. I think it's also just funny. It is funny generally. Just by virtue of itself. Yeah. Yeah. But I Um, feel like juxtaposed against those original 70s values and that sort of like hokey homespun vibe. I feel like. Yeah. And then uh, the another B plot is uh, (laughs) there's a lot of them. We've got uh, Jan doesn't have a boyfriend so she invents a boyfriend named george George glass Glass. to try to seem cool so people will finally stop treating her like shit all the time formerly known as george tropicana (laughs) george tropicana (laughs) is so fucking funny anyway um and uh she keeps coming up with like increasingly ridiculous ways to prove that george glass is real and then she meets a real person named george glass um and then we've also got bobby and cindy who are detectives looking for her missing doll and we've also got peter who is like doing take your kid to work day in the summer but thinks his dad's job is boring um i think that covers it the plot (laughs) generally speaking uh so liam yeah you want me to go first yeah what did you think you have, a, you have a baseline so yeah i really i really liked it right from the jump so um in listening to our last brady bunch podcast i was reminded that i was not that into the first 20 minutes of the brady bunch movie i liked it just fine i didn't think it was bad or anything but um i talked about how they had to do a lot of groundwork to like establish who the brady bunch is and what the conceit is before they really started laying the parody on thick. Um, and I don't know if that was me in, in listening to it. I was also wondering, or maybe it just took me 20 minutes to realize what they were doing. I'm not sure I'd have to, I'd have to rewatch it, but, um, nonetheless that first time around, um, it took me about 20 minutes to get to, to get vibe in with the movie. And this time around I was vibing, immediately i i think the jokes just start coming in quick i i yeah. quickly remembered who all the characters are and like what their what their uh what their vibe is. is what their vibe is and uh the jokes just start start coming and um i will talk about this later so i don't want to hammer this home right now i'll just mention it in passing that i thought that this was going to be brady bunch goes to hawaii in the first five minutes of the movie and then they're going to spend it in hawaii and that scared me a bit but uh, a whole lot of this movie just takes place in their little suburb just like the first movie and the, so the I, majority of this movie <laughs> yeah so i was i was very pleased with that as well because I'm, I'm a suburbs guy um even though i did like jack frost too goes tropical uh great episode if you guys haven't heard that one um so yeah i just i i i I don't know if i could say i like this one more than the first um i bet you if you compare this episode and everything i'll say to the to the last brady bunch movie it'll sound like i like this one more but part of me just wonders if um i'm just more into it now because i've spent more time with it i know what the deal is and um and i was just like ready to go from the beginning because i can't actually remember a whole lot about that first one that i didn't like i think uh um 
both movies are just like really fun, really weird movies. I can't think of any other films, including Flintstones, Viva Rock Vegas. Um, that That's just feel... what happens when you do this and it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't think of really any other movies that feel like these movies. Like they're just so strange and otherworldly and uh, really funny. The casting is just great. I talked about that in the first movie and it's it's the same here because the, the core cast remains and I love the inclusion of Roy. I really like that actor. Um, and so I just think this, this basically hits from beginning to end. I thought there was a few spots that dragged a bit and with a movie that it has so many B plots, like Corey was saying, like a lot of them feel like B, like C and D plots, you know? So not all of them uh, were making me laugh the, the whole time. I had my favorites that I wanted to get back to. It sort of feels like an anthology movie or like uh, um, like episodes of the, the sitcoms smashed together, what I assume the sitcom is because I haven't seen the sitcom. Um, so it's not like the whole way through. I'm like, this is amazing, 100%. But... It, it has enough 100% moments in it that I would gladly rewatch this. I, I really want to watch the first one again um, and just hang out with these characters. They're just really fun to hang out with. And so this movie did not let me down at all. I'm actually amazed that this is a different writing team than the first movie because I think all the jokes feel very similar to uh, the ideas that were going on in the first movie and uh, I was really impressed. Yeah. What I will say under note about the cast, the one person whose presence is dearly missed is um, Alana Ubeck. Oh, was she was she the girlfriend? Yeah. Yeah, she was great. Yeah. yeah. I don't um, I honestly don't remember what she looked like, but I remember the plot and I loved it. I remember yeah. really being backwards hat. Mm. Uh yeah. But uh, okay, so Mitch, you're the wild card here, I think. Um uh, what did you think about a very Brady sequel? You know, Corey. Uh-huh. I really liked it. Oh. <laughs> and it's funny because earlier today I was having I was having problems with my internet and I was like, oh, this is bad. And then Corey just lashed out and was like, don't say it's bad. Like, it's like no more like save your thoughts for the podcast, but you're wrong. And uh, yeah, the exact phrasing is you said, this is really bad. And then I said, save it. Also, you're wrong. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Um, that was me addressing something different. No, I really like this movie. Um, it is a bit. It reminds me a bit of like, and perhaps this is a point, but like 70s cuisine and, and like decor and everything is kind of like over the top. Classic 70s cocktails like the uh, the Long Island iced tea or the Alabama Slamma, cloyingly sweet. Um, kind of like too much to take at times because it's so like sweet and like, wah. but ultimately I think it's like it sticks to landing and it's like distinct and interesting and good. I am so glad to hear this. Um, um, there's a lot to like that's going on in this movie. I love like the subplots. There's like a lot of really like genuinely funny gags. Like yeah. when they confront the uh, the ma- when they confront like their mate or whatever uh, about like the mushroom pasta that they make and then she's like, "Oh no, I'm fine. I'm just going to bed." And then she walks into the fridge. <laughs> like that had me that like killed me yeah uh, um, the light really does turn off when you're in there yeah oh man great great gag there's just like yeah. so many little gags that i yeah. really love in this movie and also like the general 
conceit of it and and the idea of just like this like 70s family bumbling through the 90s even handedly is just uh, yeah. a great, great time I, I will say there are some callbacks too um when at the beginning of the movie when the ball like bounces down the stairs and knocks the grape juice into the horse marcia goes my nose and covers her face because in the first movie she gets absolutely clocked in the face <laughs> with a ball and it like breaks her nose and she spends the rest of the movie like trying to look pretty but like has like a big bandage over half of her oh, face there's so and, like, fucking and, like black eyes and shit oh man there's there's a lot to love here um i think this movie is great um i don't know if i like it as much as the first one but i do love this movie i think it was really 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 fun um, like Liam was saying, despite a different director and writing team, which is crazy to me, um, the tone and like the pitch of the of the writing and the jokes is in the exact same spot it was before. It's basically, did you want more of the Brady Bunch movie? Here it is. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, did. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I guess like we would have heard this by now, but I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if it turned out they sh- shot these movies at the exact same time, like not even back to back. Like they shot them like intermingled, and then somehow just cut them into two separate movies and said they were by different directors or something. It feels like so fluid. It would be, it would be an amazing double feature. Oh my god, it would be so fun. It would feel like two episodes of a show, basically. Um. Yeah, and and shows like sitcoms have different directors and writers, but like if the if the core creative team is all theirs, they don't often feel all that different. So maybe that's what happened. I don't know. It does really have that like sitcom show feel too, and like the structure of the scenes and how they're edited together, uh, everything. Yeah. But it just like screams television from that period and how it's constructed. And uh, it's this movie's loaded with uh, fucking Mike Brady advice anecdotes that don't go anywhere and don't make any sense. yeah like remember like the giving a gift is good but if the gifty gives a gets a gift that they don't get that can get grief or like whatever the fuck he says and it's just like what are you talking about (laughs) (laughs) um and uh, just like the same with the first movie like the jokes are fucking constant so it's one of those things where you're just trying to keep up with like all the bits like um when Greg and Marsha are arguing over who gets the attic, and she's just like, there's a new thing called women's lib. It means women get everything they want. <laughs> and it's like, you're saying this in 1996. <laughs> and also, that's not what that means. Um, it's so good. And just the callbacks. And um, once again, though, I do think the comedic high point of this movie is Jan just period um i think jennifer elise cox deserves some kind of fucking award for this <laughs> it's so good she's she's incredible and they're all so mean to her uh, they're all so like, mean when like she's brushing somebody. her teeth and they're like and they're like and your braces and your pimples and yeah your, your freckles like, yeah, yeah. and oh, they're so mean to her dude it's so it's honestly like it makes me sad how mad how mean everybody is the jan but also jan just anytime something like seemingly positive happens like she just doesn't know how to react it's kind of like, like me on the show everyone's really fucking <laughs> mean to me all the time. 
well you gotta stop wearing that dumbass mouth gear yeah like fuck get a boyfriend i don't know uh. <laughs> um but yeah, she's yeah, great. Yeah, we had the same problem, not problem last episode, but at a certain point it just becomes like reciting bits into microphones because it's all so good. But um yeah, I think um let's let's get the elephant in the room out of the way. Uh we've long referenced this sequel before watching it as an example of when a franchise makes a sequel and they're like we're just going to go tropical for this one. Uh Jack Frost did it. Um National Lampoon Christmas Vacation did it. Um, all kinds of series. Do Beetlejuice that. has been trying to do it for decades. Beetlejuice has, has been trying to do it page, for decades. But, yeah. um, there's that fifth book of the New Testament where they all go to like a beach resort. Scooby Doo um, did it. Scooby Doo did it. Everybody does it. When you don't know where to go, you go to the beach. And this movie uh, had a tagline on the poster that says, Catch the Brady Wave this July. And it's everybody wearing like Hawaiian lays and they're on a surfboard big family-sized surfboard and um i honestly think they're in hawaii for like 15 minutes it looks like the beach boys like in that poster (laughs) yeah but yeah like they that is barely a factor in this movie at all and that's kind of frustrating only because it sets your expectations for like a different kind of comedy to be prevalent through the movie that's not really there but at the same time, I think it's for the best because th- they really feel like they're in their element, like Liam said, in that like mm-hmm. suburban environment. But it it does feel like borderline false advertising. Yeah, like this movie. Um, so you have to think like when you look at the reviews of this movie like online, a lot of them are kind of like stinky. Like it looks like it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't received very well. <laughs> Christ. So it, it looks like. <laughs> It wasn't received very well. This <laughs> are, are you laughing at how you called the review stinky? <laughs> yes. <laughs> did, that, did that pick up over the mic? I just, just, I just did a real spit take. I fucking panicked. And I had to find... I had one empty glass in my room. And I had to go find it. And I just had to spit all of this water into it. <laughs> All these reviewers <laughs> with their fucking nasty antics yeah, regarding yeah, they're, the they're Brady all, sequel. They're all stinky. And so, <laughs> I was just wondering, like, are they are they salty because because like they they wanted the tropical escape and they didn't? They get wanted it, like, more of that cool ocean air. Yeah, this movie, like, it, I I feel like it, it could be construed as like a a false bill of goods or a bag of goods or whatever the expression is. Sorry, I need a sec. I literally just did a spit take <laughs> for real. That was so funny. <laughs> that does make me wonder, Mitch, if they were yeah. just salty that it's that it wasn't Hawaiian. Because I'm thinking that um, I'm so relieved that this movie didn't mostly or even partially take place in Hawaii. Because I would say I would say 15 minutes of the movie isn't enough for me to say partially. It it barely takes place in Hawaii, and I was relieved about that um, because. At this point, it feels like the Hawaiian thing is a tired shtick. And I haven't even seen enough movies for it to become tired to me. But just the concept just seems so ridiculous and and unnecessary and seems like it just lends itself to uh, uh, 
culture based gags or or just lends itself to uh, the cast and crew made enough money after the first one. So now they're going to go on a vacation to Hawaii and make a movie while they're at it. Um, and so I did not want a, I did not want a Hawaiian Brady Bunch movie. And I really thought this was going to be it from front to back. And so because it wasn't, but it was still marketed as if it is with the poster. I don't know what the trailer does, but uh, the poster certainly makes it seem that way. And so I'm wondering if the Hawaiian thing was just a fad of like the early 2000s, late 90s that the public really wanted. Like maybe Hawaii was just a massive thing at the time. And that's why critics were bummed out. There was a Did lot they have really good there. tax credits over there? Maybe. I don't know. I feel like that was a trend in the 90s and early 2000s, like with just shit goes to Hawaii. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so it must have come from like some sort of cultural fascination at the time. Like people wanted this stuff, but I just know that I do not want it. And so I was I was not frustrated. I was confused for a little bit. Um, and I even found myself thinking, yo, did we get did we get uh messed up and it's actually the third like made for tv one that goes to hawaii yeah. um because even even the title i had got it in my head that this movie was called like brady bunch go to hawaii and so Same. i searched that and it like brought up like sitcom episodes and stuff and i was so confused and then when i discovered that it's called a very brady sequel i was like oh that's actually kind of a sick title shame that they're gonna go to hawaii and then an hour into the movie i was like are they that must be the third one where they go to Hawaii. And then finally they mentioned a Hawaii and I was like, Oh my gosh, it is yeah. finally coming way to spoil the ending of the movie on your poster. Yeah. Last night I was talking to Abigail about this movie and I was like, Oh, like fuck we're watching like the Brady bunch go to Hawaii or something. I don't want to watch that. So I'd, I'd put it off like right into the very last minute. And then they didn't go to Hawaii. And I was, I was like pleasantly surprised cause I've had it kind of like up to here with like the gang goes to Hawaii <laughs> spinoffs you know yeah yeah no i i i i agree i think this is the best case scenario i will say interestingly uh roger ebert thinks this is better than the first one interesting interesting nice i'm still Um, definitely gonna check out the first one you yeah. need to. Man. I, I might. I might be there with him on 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 rewatch because I know my immediate feeling is I like this more. But again, that's I don't not know my that's, immediate feeling actually. Yeah. Um, and I uh, I will say I was in a very Brady mood earlier. Um, after watching this movie, and I went on eBay. Um, and I I think I had said on this podcast at some point that eventually I was going to start buying movie posters for movies that we've done on the show to kind of have like a record of that. And I like having them up in my, in my uh, room in my house. Um, and so coming to me in the mail in the next couple of weeks, I have a, a full sized theatrical poster uh, with only a couple creases on it uh, for the Brady Bunch movie. <laughs> Very nice. So you've picked your team. Uh, team I guess movie. I also, I'm prepared to buy both, you know, depending on how this settles in my brain after more than like a little bit more remove. Um, uh, I'll air my complaints and just see where it goes from there, and then I think we can get into a bit more of the bit recital, uh, which is always a good time. But um, I just think the a plot doesn't pan out in a way that I find all that interesting. Um, in terms of like the trajectory that it goes on and the transition to the, like the Hawaii angle and the way it resolves, like I'm, I am less interested in the actual progression of the plot and this like 
imposter and the selling of this antique and how they factor into that than I am like using like the the cultural circumstances as a leaping off point for humor. So I feel like spending extra time with like Carol and Roy Martin and like the antics with the actual um horse statue i i thought it got kind of stale and i was more interested in just like put the characters in weird situations and just let them go Mm -hmm. uh and so i think my biggest complaint would be like you could take that angle out of it i like having him in the house i mean it wouldn't he wouldn't be in the house really if you didn't have that angle. no i know another motivation but yeah just come up with another motivation because i just think like that a plot isn't necessarily like mind for all it's worth and i just think like i was less interested in that and um i also think the there is so much good work going on especially with jan marcia and greg that i was like couldn't we have just done even more of that (laughs) because it's so good those three characters in this movie are like Mm -hmm at the height of their powers it's so funny like the first time marcia says skewl like it fucking oh, killed me. oh that like- killed me as well <laughs> uh it was um uh G- george glass that's funny i've never heard of a george glass at our skewl it's so it's, <laughs> it's so amazing. good the mom is really good at that too she has an accent where sometimes she says stuff and it just like it's not a joke line but it's just so funny like she says mike and it's just like yeah, so Mike. Good. Yeah. Mike? And and um she's wearing a sash home that is like most popular girl at Westdale or whatever. And Jan is just wearing a button that says, Hey Westdale, I passed Phys Ed. That's good. <laughs> Which is so good. Um, and like I bought extra pages in my yearbook so more boys could sign it. Here's a question I would like to ask about the logistics of Marsha Brady existing. Um how is it that they are such like a cultural anomaly and yet she remains the most popular girl in school? She's hot, man. She's hot and very charming. That that holds up decade after decade, I reckon. Yeah, she's got that like homespun, hickory kid, honest 70s quality. She's pure. Yeah. But like, you know, she could be a bit impure if yeah you, uh, she's also kind of a baddie at the same time she's also yeah. like making out with her brother yeah. so like <laughs> yeah. did you just do like the tim allen sound <laughs> <laughs> i think uh i think greg the the older brother is is more of like a commentary on how um the the really sexy like has it all together stud 70s boy becomes kind of a dated loser um, yeah and i think that the movie plays with that a bit but i think Marsha, i mean i think they're just trying to say that like she she holds up like a popular girl from the <laughs> 70s is still a popular girl in the 90s i don't know it feels yeah. that way to me or it's just the joke that like if you're hot people will ignore a lot of things <laughs> to get just to that point um it's true that but, could also but, be it. but jan is hot too 
Yeah. Yeah. So so there's something going on there. I guess it's just the the headgear and that walk. Her walk is so it's good. So funny. I don't remember oh that from the God. first movie, it's, but that it's is in there. But it's I don't so funny. I don't know if that's like um, when, an exaggeration walks, of something from the original show, or like if that was directed or she came up with it. When she walks into the dance in the first movie with the afro one i think she's mm. doing the same thing gotcha yeah it is <laughs> it is amazing it really hit me when they were at the pool and she was in her bathing suit with the, <laughs> and she just like waddles out of there it is so she, funny. I, I feel so bad for jan all the time because like she doesn't have a single frame of footage where she looks comfortable at all like jan brady's life looks exhausting because it's trying to live up to standards that she can't meet and her entire family thinking she sucks um, and isn't cool. And I just, I, that's very sympathetic, but then every scheme that she concocts to try to like get back at everybody is the most insane thing you could possibly do. But it also seems that they don't really give a shit about her schemes. It's just like, oh, they yeah. don't. And they're like, oh, that's like nifty. And sure, Jan. Sure, Jan. Like, whatever. We're just eating our breakfast. Like, good for you. Do you want to talk to George Glass? He's on the phone. Really? I didn't hear it, Rick. <laughs> it's yeah. actually a sex hotline, but <laughs> which is a tremendous gag. It'll cost extra, and you're in New York. Yeah, he's very cosmopolitan. Yeah, I feel like because this because this is a parody, I feel like a lot of the jokes are kind of more, um, I guess like probably suggestive than the original show was. Or, well, obviously, yeah, yeah, which is kind of fun because it's a bit it's like a, a bit more subversive than what I imagine the show to be. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. The, no, I think the whole point is that the show is none of this. Yeah. Obviously, like obviously. Yeah. Like uh, when they're in the attic and uh, Marsha's brushing her hair and counting it, and she's just four, four, yeah. four, mm. four. Yeah, and Greg is just watching it. Yeah. Oh. Also, holy shit, when she goes, Yes, Greg, and it's like sexy voice, it's clearly a different person. It's yeah. clearly a or, different or person's the scene voice. Where, where Greg tries to like pick her up in a 70s fashion at the swimming pool and everybody is like 90s cringing around him and then it turns out that it's his stepsister it's, just yeah, it's like i have to go <laughs> yeah and um in the first episode we did Corey, um uh keiki mentioned how how the how it came up that you didn't know that the Brady Bunch was a blended family because he was saying, um, I'm sure by the time the movie comes around, the sexual tension between Greg and Marsha <laughs> is at an all-time high. And we've got and to boy, tell him about it. this movie because I think, I don't remember how much of that was they in They make out the at their parents' movie. wedding. The sexual tension's been destroyed. <laughs> but yeah, in this movie, I'm so glad they made the sequel and so they could push it all the way because I think that was tied with the George Glass stuff as my favorite subplot in the movie. Um, and I just, I thought it was so funny, but also like so ridiculous, but like also like kind of, like kind of, uh, kind of romantic. kind of. Also, um, Jan's fixation on like Roy as like new dad and just like, <laughs> can I come talk to you about something? Sure. Can I sit on your lap? I guess, and then he, she just like jumps completely on top of him. Yeah, and like in that <laughs> moment, you can tell that actress is like 26, 27 years old. 
Um, you know what? I th- I actually think that um, that is probably why I liked this movie more than the other. I'll go ahead and say it. I'll trust my first instinct. I liked this movie more than the first one because I actually gelled more with the A plot this time around, Corey, that you said Interesting. Um, didn't hold you as much. I liked this one and it was because of Roy. I thought that was actually a really clever character um, that did a great job at like grounding the movie in reality when you have all these wacky characters and he was so funny in the way that he reacted to uh the outlandishness of this family and and the the culture clash and stuff whereas in the first movie if you remember a lot of that came from the neighbors um yeah it was the bourbon neighbors and Good i neighbors, and, man. and i just didn't like them as much i i much prefer to him and i um I found that when they were on screen in the first movie, that uh, the the movie was um, what you said about this movie. I was like wishing that they would get back to just the kids and stuff being funny. Whereas this time around, I think because they were able to put Roy in the house with them and have him like a family member, um, I thought they were able to to get more out of it. And the A plot gelled better. I think that's fair. I think it just peters out in a way where I'm like, okay whatever and i'm more interested in like using it as an avenue for jokes like i think like the the crystallization of it this might be my favorite sequence in the whole movie is when marcia and greg are like arguing so they go on dates with separate people and then jan is like okay i've got a plan so then they go on these horrible dates where they can't stop talking about their siblings to their dates and uh, is so and then uh jan walks in with a mannequin oh, yeah dude that was when i knew she had like finally the, snapped picks it up by the crotch and just carries it in and is trying to just prove to her family for once that she is like cool and interesting by going on a date and the two dudes are like i think it's performance art and like is the head falling off and she's just like in shambles it's so sad but like the performance of it and like the physicality of like the mannequin just falling apart <laughs> around her like the whole scheme is just falling apart it's so good and meanwhile like greg is just sitting there like absolutely salivating over marcia just like tell them about how you wash and condition your hair <laughs> <laughs> like and all of these things like i don't know if it translates if you haven't seen it to just like talking about it like if this gimmick works but like it can't be overstated the degree to which like every actor I I'm reluctant to use this phrase because I feel like it's used a lot to the point where it doesn't mean anything. But if you want to talk about understanding the assignment, man, every single person here knows exactly what they need to do and they're fucking crushing it. Mm-hmm. And like, we get another shopping montage with even, a song, even the smaller parts like, or like the, the cameo parts. Like, yeah, they're, they're all crushed. Like, like Zaza Gabor at the, at the auction is, it's like a wonderful yeah it's wonderful to see her and uh john hillerman and just like i don't know it's great yeah the the honestly the uh the hairdressing sequence too where she's like my husband and my other husband and then names her kids but he he, they everybody thinks that her kids are like lesbian partners that she's had so everybody's like whoa the whole bit where she checks into the hotel and she's at the hotel and then uh, (laughs) the fucking cross stitch help me sign also is so yeah 
Mm. Yeah, this dude, is what happened home last sweet time. help. I'm using that in one of my songs eventually. That's an amazing, that's it's an amazing phrase. so good. This is what happened the last episode too, where like it just devolves into like, you list off all the funniest bits, but the part where like Jan is driving without a license, loses her contacts while driving and just abandons the car. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. And then, like, when Cindy is asking why she's wearing contacts now, she's like, oh, my glasses made me look dorky, so now I'm, now I'm cool because I took the glasses off. But she's got, like, headgear and, like, all this other shit. Man. There's something uh, else I'd like to get a firm grasp on, Mr. Brady. Yeah, such a sexy movie, eh? Such like, a sexy movie. My gosh. Um... Mitch, do you have a favorite character? Because we know we know Corey is the is the Jan Brady stand, and that remains true. It's in my Twitter profile. It's staying there. Uh, I would say Jan. I like. Uh, Let's go. Yeah, I would probably say Jan. Greg's nice. really yeah. funny too, but I'd say probably uh, Jan. Greg's funny because he's like one degree removed from somebody we could conceivably know in real life. Yeah, like the vibe is not that far off. I think uh, I think my favorite is Marsha, but it's it's a close race, and not even just between her her and Jan. Like it speaks to how great the casting is, and and the characters as well. Like I love Mike Brady and how wholesome he is, and that like I love I love the metaphors and stuff that he's dishing out. And I, I love, especially I love how he tackles the nunchuck bit, especially yes. <laughs> There's a rule in the Brady house to not give people lethal weapons. Yeah, yeah. What does he say that, like, uh, he oh, says... Um, I'll see if I can find the exact wording. He says that, like, something isn't a toy, right? And then he goes, it's it's not a it's not a toy, it's a weapon. And then, and then Mike yeah. says, weapons aren't toys either. <laughs> the whole, yeah, and the whole thing where they get all fucking tied up onto the fucking stairs by by Roy and um for some reason I'm trying to I was trying to figure this out. Everybody else is tied like to something and then Marsha is tied like across the stairs like in like a crucifixion pose and I was like I don't know what the deal with that is. Um and then like Jan is like it was wrong to make up George Glass. This is all my fault and then Marsha just goes this is Jan's fault. Yeah, dude. Like stuff Jan, like that. Jan didn't do anything. Yeah, <laughs> like, stuff like that. That I think that's why Marsha's my favorite. Like like Jan, like she obviously has like such big comedic moments and the character, sorry, the uh the the actress, I don't think they could have got anyone to play her better. But oh my I God, also she's so I, good, but man. I also think that's the same for Marsha and like she just has so many th- moments where they if if some different actress had just like said it a bit differently um or like cocked her head in a different way, it, it wouldn't be as funny. But Christine Taylor is just like like it just like the way at one point she pushes Jan just like so aggressively and Jan just like falls in like this weird <laughs> slow motion way. But like, I don't mean that the movie goes slow motion. Like it's in real time, but just like the physicality of those two actresses is, is just amazing. And so it really is a peanut butter jelly situation. Like I'm not yeah. going to, I'm not going to argue anyone who says one or the other is the favorite, but it's really, it's got to be seen to be believed. It's an amazing comedic duo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've got, I honestly, I would love to see like, I feel like I'm frustrated that like this didn't become one of those, um, casts and crews where they just kept making other shit. <laughs> 
yeah like beyond the brady bunch or whatever like i want to see this exact creative setup do other things <laughs> i would be so curious to know uh he i'm just reading quotes on this page by the way perfect encapsulation of the mike brady vibe here us brady's have to stick together or we'll fall apart much like that house of cards you see a deck consists of 52 cards if the hearts didn't work with the diamonds and the spades with the clubs, how the heck would we ever play a game of gin rummy? So, in Very keeping savage. with the spirit of togetherness, I'm sure you kids know the right thing to do. Gin rummy. <laughs> Who the hell plays? Like, I don't think my grandparents even play gin rummy. Gin rummy. Man, uh, also the same where Peter is just at the job site and he's told to like lie, cheat, steal, and kill, and he's just yelling at all the workers. They're like, "Can we just kill this kid? Can we just put him?" I think they note him under the foundation <laughs> in the cement mixer and shit. Mm-hmm. Man, I don't know. Like, I know that we're just reading bits at this point, but like the 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 pitch of this movie is perfect, and the tone is perfect. Um. And I think seen to be believed is a really good thing because like the level of quality is so high. And when you look at the gimmick, it really probably shouldn't be. Um, but it really, really, really is. Are we Brady'd out? I think I haven't much more to say, really. Other than it's good. Yeah, <laughs> like, like other than you should watch it. And if you've listened this far, I mean, I say this every time after we see something that's good. Like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. <laughs> watch Stop the, the podcast movie. and go watch the movie. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's I think it's great. It's I'm so happy. I was a little nervous. If, if for no other reason, then what if it didn't live up? to how much i liked the first one yeah what if you're what if your pick where you you have the autonomy to pick something good like turns out to be a real well, fucking general stinker but and you're excited like i was just excited because um i liked that one so much yeah. so like there was a real disappointment potential here skin in the game yeah um but no i think it's I think it's really great. Could you imagine being on a plane and a family of kids just starts singing? I would probably shove them all into the overhead compartment. It sounds like a bad time. Yeah, I hate that. Especially if it's like a 12-hour flight or something. Yeah, no way. What, are they doing encores and stuff? Like, they're just like, every four hours we're going to sing on this terrible flight. Yeah. Um. Oh, my God. That reminds me of the bit where... The, it's just a shot of a plane and he's explaining how Hawaii was like geographically formed and Marcia says she forgot her hairbrush so they play the footage in reverse like they're going home and he starts explaining how California was formed instead <laughs> like it's so stupid but it's so funny anyway yeah. <laughs> um, if we're Brady now, uh, you know we loved this you should go watch it um, but now we have a, we have to decide what's next, and uh, our fate is in is in Mitch's hands. Actually, so, uh, well, it is in my hands, but we we have a guest next week. Do uh, we? Yes, we do. Yeah. So so, uh, so our fate is in a stranger's hands. Yeah, it's 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 in Abigail's hands. My my uh, my girlfriend Abigail, she has picked what we're watching, and we're watching Inspector Gadget too. So, did she give you any reason as to why? I think it's just a. Well, I don't know. We'll let her talk about it next week. She, so we're just doing this. Is, is she a fan? 
Do, do we have any any implication as she to how was, we got she here? She was many moons ago. Okay, so we'll have to see. Yeah, we'll have to see. It could be a Did stinker. she watch Brady Bunch? Do we know how no, did she feel about no, that? No, she wasn't uh, around for that. Her loss. <laughs> yeah, honestly, her loss. Um. Okay, so next week, we'll have a guest. A lot of guests in 2022. Huh? This will be guest number three, and we're still in the first month. We're flying. Yeah. Uh, I like having guests on the show. It's fun. Yeah, it's fun. Except, except when they're mean to me. Well, good thing I'm not a guest. Good, oh, you motherfucker, <laughs> you. Um, so that's Inspector Gadget 2. But okay, sounds good. That's on tap. Uh, it appears to be on Disney Plus if you want to follow along. Um, there you go. But yeah, again, really watch... Uh, Watch the watch the Brady Bunch movies, man. Everybody should do that. Uh, if you want to hear some real, real, real funny jokes, it's a good way to do it. That's not a good sell. I kind of didn't really know how to. You heard the whole episode. You you know that we like it. Um. So, Mitch, last question for you. Uh, is there anything you'd like to plug? Okay, I guess that's it for that one. Uh, Liam, do you have anything you'd like to plug? You guys can find my film writing alter ego, Graham the Haunted Marshmallow, on Twitter and Letterboxd. My username is Graham the Mala. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Mr. Corey Price. You can listen to the other podcasts they do, uh, MK Podquest, about all kinds of Mortal Kombat stuff um, with our friend Neil, including uh, Mortal Kombat Conquest, the TV show, which is what we started with, and we're circling back around to that soon. So uh, mkpodquest.com for all of that. Thank you all once again for listening to this episode of They Made Another One. You can find us all over the internet on Twitter at They Made Another, which is all one word, and on Letterboxd at TMAO. You can find episodes on Anchor, Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Breaker, and everything else as They Made Another One. You can reach us via email at tmaopodcast at gmail.com with recommendations for future episodes, questions, comments, and the fake name you would come up with if you needed to invent a partner to trick your family into thinking you're cool. Our fantastic thumbnail art is done by Jade Dickinson. You can find on Instagram at Jade Sketches. And with all that out of the way, we'll catch you here next week for Inspector Gadget 2. And they made another one. (laughs) 